0: This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here, and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. She-Hulk is hiding a ton of Marvel Easter eggs, cameos, and clues. Between the Comic-Con trailer and a brand new behind the scenes featurette, Marvel Studios just revealed a metric ton of Marvel cameos, Easter eggs, and details about the She-Hulk series. We're gonna break it all down for you in just a moment, but if you prefer to know nothing at all, leave now before you get A Rude Awakening. Okay, let's get into it, shall we? We're gonna break down both the new featurette and the trailer, so we'll be weaving back and forth. In the featurette, star Tatiana Maslany details how Jennifer Walters goes from mild-mannered attorney to full-blown She-Hulk status. She says that she accidentally takes in some of Hulk's blood, and this is paired with scenes of a car crash where she's pulling her cousin, Bruce Banner, to safety. She then looks down and sees green veins popping out of her arms as she begins to Hulk out for the very first time. Clearly, she must have been accidentally infused with some of Bruce's blood during the crash, maybe through an open wound, and the resulting fear adrenaline response accelerated her transformation into She-Hulk. And this makes for a nice parallel with her comic book origins, wherein Bruce gives her a life-saving blood transfusion after she is fatally wounded by mobsters who had beef with one of her clients. Now, it's unclear what caused the crash here, but it could be an attempt on their lives. And I mean, Bruce is pretty famous. Oh, God! Bruce. Damn! It's also worth noting that Bruce's arm is still in a sling at this point following the events of Endgame. We saw that Bruce is wearing a sling in the post-credits of Shang-Chi as well, but he seems to be all healed up by the time we see them together in Mexico. Bruce tells Jen that her best friend isn't Nikki, it's spandex. And for years, Marvel fans wondered how Hulk's signature purple pants always stayed on his body despite it growing to preposterous proportions. I never wear cutoffs. How do I keep waking up in cutoffs? Normal pants going in. Cut-off's coming out. You Speaking with Vanity Fair, Stan Lee said, I just figured that Bruce Banner had probably been a friend of Fantastic Four leader and all-around genius Reed Richards. And Reed had given him some elastic trousers. There's an explanation for everything, but you may not be technically advanced enough to follow me on all of this. Science pants. <laughs> okay. There's also more of Jen's signature fourth wall breaking, and this happened long before Deadpool even existed. She-Hulk would routinely smash the fourth wall, beginning with the cover of Sensational She-Hulk number 1. She would tear through blank pages and even confront the writers and editors of her stories. And thankfully, that tradition carries over to the show. Now, much like in the comics, Jen's status as She Hulk makes her an attractive candidate to her boss to spearhead a new superhuman law division at Goodman, Lieber, Kurtzberg, and Holloway. Now, for those who don't know, this law firm is full of Marvel Easter eggs. The three partners at the beginning are named for Marvel Comics founder Martin Goodman, Stan Lee, aka Stanley Lieber, and Jack Kirby, aka Jacob Kurtzberg. Holden Holloway, the head of Jen's law firm, mentions eccentric superhumans as we see Frogman flying out from what appears to be a big screen TV heist. First appearing in 1982's Marvel Team Up number 21, Frogman was the son of the villainous Leapfrog, but he decided that a career in justice suited him a little bit better. It's just riveting stuff, people. I said... In the background of the law firm, we can also spot a room full of comic books. And it's worth noting that while the MCU rarely makes mention of Marvel comics as existing things, they did exist in the She-Hulk comics. They were basically adaptations of real-life events, and they could be used as evidence in a court of law. So we could potentially see that here. Jen's first big assignment is to defend Emile Blonsky, the abomination who first appeared in 2008's Incredible Hulk movie. He's being kept in the same damage control Supermax facility that Clandestine escaped from on Ms. Marvel. It's also where Wong broke him into and out of so they could rig underground pit fights in Shang-Chi. Maybe you will start controlling those punches like we practiced. Despite his obvious rage issues, Blonsky has apparently rebranded himself as a self-help guru. He runs a wellness retreat and the BTS footage shows Titania interrupting one of these talks. Motivational posters in the background have phrases like abomaste and achieve everything. Now, not only does he greet Jen with a casual namaste, but he also has some weird groupies looking on at him through the glass at the prison. As for Wong, the Sorcerer Supreme also appears in this show, making an appearance at a magic show through a sling ring portal to battle weird, demonic, bat-like creatures. And these monsters bear a resemblance to the soul-eaters that we saw in Shang-Chi, but aren't quite as deadly. Our best guess here is that the magician we see later on in court is dabbling in actual magic, and that's attracted Wong's attention. But when it comes to throwing the book at this guy, Wong wants to throw the Book of Vishanti, whereas Jen means a metaphorical book of American laws. There's probably an actual book. We see a variety of other superhumans as well, like a dapper gentleman who jumps out of the office window, totally unscathed. There's a judge who shapeshifts into a strange woman with elfin features who resembles one of the light elves of Alfheim from the Thor mythos. And there's the aforementioned magician who abracadabras into the court in a cloud of smoke. Now, many fans were excited when they spotted a poster for this guy touting someone named Blaze. They thought it might be a Ghost Rider Easter egg for Johnny Blaze. But if you look closely, there aren't enough letters to spell Johnny so it's probably going to be like Donny Blaze or Danny Blaze just to really mess with us Marvel fans. Later on, we see a pair of costumed characters at Blonsky's Abomaste Retreat. These are most likely Matador and Manbull, a villainous bullfighter and bull, respectively. Matador first appeared in 1964's Daredevil No. 5, but his costume here looks more akin to the one we saw in Daredevil 89 in 2006. As for Manbull, he debuted in 1971's Daredevil number 78, and clearly they both have plenty of rage issues to work on, hence why they're here. It's also fitting because the trailer ends with the most anticipated reveal of all, Charlie Cox returning not as a really good lawyer, Matt Murdock, but as the man without fear, Daredevil. Now, Daredevil's wearing his red and yellow suit from the comics here, the original comic book look as designed by Bill Everett. Now, of course, with this being a comedy series, it could wind up being D-Man, a character that wears a very similar costume to Daredevil's OG suit. And at one point in the comics, D-Man went up against Titania as played by Jamila Jamil, and she nearly murdered him, so maybe that'll happen in this show. But considering the showrunner said this is Charlie Cox, I'm gonna choose to believe her instead. As for other villains, the BTS footage seemingly confirms that the construction equipment toting goons that Gen battles in the alleyway are, in fact, the Wrecking Crew. In the comics, these goobers gained powers when they were all struck by lightning while their leader, Wrecker, was holding an enchanted crowbar. <laughs> you know, because comics. Also present is Damage Control, who arrive on the scene when the Law Awards Gala is under attack. They have the same high-tech weapons we saw in Ms. Marvel and probably wouldn't hesitate to use them on Gen either. Now, just like Marvel at hallway fights on Netflix, they have galas under assault on Disney+. Another fun easter egg is when we see a close-up of a live stream that Jen's watching and we see the user Tracksuit22, who's clearly a member of the Tracksuit Mafia from Hawkeye, bro. Bro! There's There's also a brief shot of some intense looking needles in a case, including one that appears to be bent. Presumably someone's trying to extract Blonsky or She-Hulk's blood for experimentation. Now, as long as they don't get that inside a soda, then give it to an old man, because we all know how that went down in 2008. Wow. Anyway, folks, there you have it. That's everything we spotted in the She-Hulk trailer. If you want even more Marvel goodness, guess what? We've got you covered over on Nerdist. Now, in the meantime, though, tell us, what did you think of these trailers? Did you spot anything that we missed? except Bruce and Blonsky, and Wong. Let us know in the comments below, and for the latest and greatest in the world of pop culture, make sure you stay tuned to Nerdist.com.